Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He may known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. So what's the best preacher you've ever heard? I just want you to think about it for just a second. The best preacher that changed your life. I remember for me when I was uh, 18 years old, fall of 1995, and I was just outside Chicago and I was listening to this preacher speak on Psalm 34, five. Those who look to him are radiant. Ever heard that verse before? And I remember him speaking about the kindness of God. And he was talking about God's grace, the father heart of God, the love of God. And he specifically went to 2 Samuel chapter 9, where Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, grandson of Saul, comes before David. And David shows Mephibosheth kindness. 
And I'll never forget him unpacking the kindness of David and then relating it to how our father shows kindness. And then he began to talk about how it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I remember as an 18 year old kid, just experiencing almost like a curtain opening up what God looks like, where I began to just supernaturally see, oh yeah, God delights in me, loves me, sees me, knows me. And I remember the excitement that I had about a father who when I looked at him, he saw me, he delighted in me, and I became radiant. And he used that verse, those who look to him are radiant, their faces are never covered with shame. And I'll never forget just the God encounter of an 18 year old kid who wanted so much to do things to cause God to like him. And in that moment realized God already liked me. God already loved me. And I remember that message of grace transforming my life. And for me, it was truth in that season that changed my life. And I want you just now to think for you, best preacher. Probably you're thinking like I'm thinking, a moment where you heard someone else. Here's David, Psalm 103 verse one, and he's actually preaching to himself. So who's the best preacher that you've ever heard? Well, you've probably heard a lot of great messages. If you've been on radio in a while, I know you have, no, I'm just kidding. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sure you've heard a whole lot of preachers, but like David, the best preacher you've ever heard, the one who can bring to you a word in season is you. And I wanna invite you today to take Psalm 103, right here where David says, praise the Lord, my soul. He's preaching to himself the best preacher you've ever heard is when you're in the middle of your situation and you've got an overflow of truth in your heart and in your head because you've got the Old Testament narratives all up inside of you. You've got Paul's epistles inside of you. You've listened to John in the New Testament. You've listened to what Jesus has to say. So the word of God is like a fountain coming out of you. You know the truth and you speak to yourself. (laughs) Now we live in a culture where everybody listens to themselves but doesn't necessarily speak truth. So we all say, well, here's what I'm feeling. And so other people need to hear what I'm feeling. And so I put it online. Here's my opinion. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I think. Okay, okay, okay. Let's take a step back. I think you should listen to yourself. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Why am I thinking the way that I'm thinking? What's going on inside of me? But don't let it stop there. Preach to yourself there. What's the truth that I find in the word of God? What's the truth? that God is speaking to me in the middle of this situation. Because here's David, Psalm 103, verse one, he's actually preaching to himself. Soul, praise. Soul, put your trust, hope, life, praise God. And the reality is, is that we have preachers going on all around us. Like the question is not if you're listening to a preacher, it's what preacher are you listening to? Because it might not be a traditional preacher with a pulpit, but we're listening to people give us ideas and thought processes in songs all the time. We're listening to people and their thoughts declare what they believe, what they perceive to be true on social media all the time. We listen to ideas and agendas on the news or on movies all the time. So the question is not if there's preachers, the question is what preacher are you listening to? And so if you've got the word of God alive inside of you, then you might emotionally feel disconnected from the truth. And it's time to come back and say, all right, praise the Lord, my soul. Uh, But I don't feel, no, 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 not asking if you feel. What's the truth? He is worthy of my worship. He is worthy of my praise. 
thank God, my soul. Uh, I don't feel, no, no, no. Is he the giver of good things? Yes. So I'm going to come and I'm going to thank God. And so here's David, Psalm 103, verse 1. And he says, praise the Lord, my soul. He's preaching to himself. Radiant, let's listen to ourselves, but not stop there. Let's preach to ourselves. And he says right here in verse 1, in my inmost being, it's this idea of, it's just not just kind of theoretical listening. This is like it's going down into my core. This is getting into my inner man. And sometimes we've got things kind of maybe that we know in our head, some truth, some ideas that we know in our head, but it's not deep in our core. It's not deep in our heart. I think about this with my little kids. How many times have I said to them, stay together? And they could say, yeah, stay together. We go to the mall, stay together. We go to a parade, stay together. We go anywhere, it's stay together. They know it, but there's been moments where they've been lost at the parade or they got lost at the mall. And after that, stay together was not just something that they heard theoretically. It came alive inside of them because their life depended on it. And here's David. And the temptation is for us to go, oh yeah, I'm gonna praise God, praise God. No, no, no. When you get to realize, in the midst of my circumstance, my life depends on utter dependence on God, utter declaration that He's worthy, then in every circumstance, whether I feel it or not, deep in my bones, deep in my core, in my inmost being, I'm going to praise the Lord, my soul. I love benefits, don't you? I think we all love benefits. We like benefits with our job. We like benefits at the bank, like suckers for our kids. I mean, we like benefits in the neighborhood. We love benefits. And here's David, Psalm 103, verse two, where he says, praise the Lord on my soul and forget not his benefits. This was tricky for me because reading this, I was thinking about the amount of sermons that I've preached against following God for the sake of the benefits. Now here's David and he's not saying for the sake of the benefits, but he's saying, forget not, like remember the benefits. And I want to camp out here for a minute because I was thinking about how many times I've taught on like Genesis 15, where God says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So I've said, hey, don't forget, he's our reward. And if we never get the good life, if we never get the good stuff, if we never get the benefits, at least we've got him and he's what we want. So the benefits don't matter. What matters is him. Or when Jesus called his disciples and said, follow me. And I've talked a lot about how when they follow Jesus, what the disciples get is they get Jesus on the good days or the bad days. And if we follow for the benefits, then we might end up shipwrecked in our faith. And so don't follow for the benefits, follow for the person. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But when I'm reading Psalm 103, here's David and he's saying, okay, okay, but there are benefits to following God. And I love that. I think it's life-giving to think about that there are incredible benefits and David just can't help but list them. He's just like, oh, God, you are my redeemer. You are my healer. You are the forgiver. You are the one that satisfies. And just right after he says that, he begins to talk about attributes of God and what God is like and who God is. And today I want us just to stop right there and know that praise will be on our lips when we spend time remembering the benefits of following God. Yeah, he saves, he heals, he forgives, he redeems, he satisfies. And so when you have that in your heart and in your head, 
Then when you come to praise, it's just quick and immediate. You're able to do it and say, you are awesome. I was thinking about my human father, my own dad, his name's Hal Perkins. And just a couple days ago, I was hanging out with my dad. And when I'm hanging out with my dad, I don't have only who he is in that moment in my memory. No, I have far more than that. And I have joy being with him, not just for who he is at 74. I love who he is at 74. But I have memory of who he was in his 30s and his 40s and his 50s and his 60s because when I was a little kid, I mean, he was the dad that at halftime of my kids' basketball games would call me over in the fifth grade and tell me I better hustle up. And Perkins, we don't, we don't run slow and be lazy. We hustle the whole time. And you better hustle up, boy, and, and come on. And here's how you get back on defense. And I've got memories of my dad teaching me one of the benefits of my dad was my dad was a coach. <laughs> or my dad was a discipler. So on my darkest day in junior high, my dad was there to coach me through it and point me to Jesus. My dad, he's, he, he likes education. And so when I had finished my undergrad, my dad was there to say, hey, dad, David, let me help you out. Let's, let's work on that master's degree and finish up seminary. And I'm gonna help you out a little bit. I've had a dad who's quick to call me. I've had a dad who's quick to help me. And so I could come back and say, hey, yeah, he's my coach and he's my friend and he's, he's my financial help a few times. And he was the one who helped me learn how to drive. I mean, there's a whole lot of different attributes that my dad is that helps me go, oh, the benefits of being a Perkins. Oh, the benefits of being Hal's kid. But how much more are the benefits of being God's kid? How much more to come into his presence and say, okay, self, I will praise him. I will forget not his benefits. I'll remember when I was messed up and hurting, you saved me, you forgave me, you healed me, <laughs> you redeemed me, you satisfy me. You know, when we read the book of Job, the, the whole idea in the whole book is the question, will you serve God with no benefits? When you lose your house and your family and your health, will you still serve God? And it's the story of Job who served God even when people said to him, curse God and die. You have no benefits. And I think that's always a, good, a question. We look at even the way that God responds to Job. And even after Job passes that test, the way that the book of Job concludes is with the kindness of God who loves to give good gifts to his kids. And Job, he gets it all. <laughs> he gets all the benefits back. And we do not serve God for the benefits. We serve God because he's God but we would be crazy not to verbalize, recognize, articulate, and thank him for and praise him for the benefits that we just can't deny. The benefits that are far more than we could fathom. So what about you? Are you bitter right now? Maybe you have forgotten your father and it's time to just remember your father. Maybe right now, are you feeling angry? Maybe you've forgotten your father. Are you feeling like there's not enough? Maybe you've forgotten your father because your father, he heals, redeems. 
your father, he satisfies. And so right now it's a great moment to think about what do I choose to remember right now? Am I remembering how good he's been in the past? Am I, do I have in my memory bank how faithful he is? Do I have in my memory bank all the benefits of being a God follower? Because trust me, when you get those inside of you, then praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Let those be in your memory and you'll find praise erupting outside of you, inside of your heart toward God. In verse seven, David quotes Moses. So we read in Exodus 34 with this exact same language that we're about to read here in Psalm 103 is how God describes himself to Moses. So listen to this. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate. So this is what he's like. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, which most people have the opposite view of God. Most people think of God as abounding in anger and slow to love. But here, Old Testament, the idea of God is that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. So how does God possess anger in a short-term way? That's what it says here. He won't always have it, but there's this short-term anger that's wrapped up in this abounding love. How does that exist? What does that look like? Well, let's talk about it. Uh, When you think about a father that does not possess any anger in regard to taking care of his children, you're looking at a father who's disconnected because it's actually out of his desire to protect his children or for his children to grow up and become what God's called them to be that he demonstrates some anger because he wants them to not have attributes or characteristics that will hurt them or damage them. So let me illustrate it this way. Uh, When I think about my son Dawson, when he was uh, a little boy, uh, he loved to play with his toys. And that was a great thing. And one of the great things about Doss is that he could go upstairs and play with his toys for hours. The problem was cleaning up his toys took hours to virtually non-existent. And so my wife Renata and I would say, Dawson, clean up your toys. And he would always smile and always had this great response, but he wouldn't always do it. In fact, one time Renata said to Dawson, Dawson, you have to get faster. You can't clean up your toys so slowly. I want you to go fast. To which young Dawson looked back at Renata and said, mom, cleaning slowly is one of my skills. (laughs) To which there was not a smile. There was, ah, it's this little bit of anger. Why does this boy go so slow? And so the anger, it's not long-term, it's short-term. It is, I desire to get rid of the laziness that could destroy you. If you are 15 years old one day and you're unable to clean or worse, 25 and unable to clean, that's gonna be a problem for you. So because I have a passion for your highest good, because I love you, because I delight in you, I actually possess this short-term anger that he will not have forever, but it's because I love you that I want this thing that could destroy you to not be in you, right? If you juxtapose that to just an angry father, it's a different thing. A father that just gets mad because of some kind of selfishness, that's a whole different kind of anger. And I'm gonna give you one. I made Renata the hero of the last story. I'll take the brunt of the parent example where I just had anger. Years ago, uh, I took my kids out to Five Guys and Fries. 
and I was uh, a little bit falling in love with Five Cries because it was so good, but also frustrated because it cost so much. And so uh, then when we had paid so much for Five Guys and Fries, but my kids were still hungry, and so I thought I would be generous and go buy the $5 bag of fries for my kids. After we were done with Five Guys and Fries, I bought the $5 fries. When I came back to the table, I gave the $5 bag of fries to my kids, to which my kids ate only a few, and I became angry. And I said, you're gonna eat these fries no matter what, because I bought these fries. And to this day, there's always the joke when we go to Five Guys about dad's anger about the $5 bag of fries as my kids are eating fries that they don't want only because of dad's wrath. (laughs) It was just my own fear. Will we run out of money? I'm gonna make you eat the fries. Do you not appreciate what I do for you? I'm gonna make you eat the fries. It was nothing but just, just selfish anger. All right, that's a whole different thing than because I love you, I'm going to have some anger so that you learn how to not be lazy. And I just give you those two examples because you have a God that is abounding in love. And in the midst of that harboring that short-term anger, it is this, he won't be angry forever, but he wants what's best for you. He loves you. And so when you think about a God that has anger. It is not an anger to destroy you. It is an anger to destroy the thing that could destroy you. It is an anger to get rid of the greed that could destroy you. It is an anger to get rid of the lust that could destroy you. It is an anger to get rid. He despises the thing that will destroy you. And so your God loves you enough, abounding in love. He wants to get rid of the thing. He has an anger toward the thing that will hurt you. He is a father who has compassion and a father with endless love. So here in Psalm 103, David continues this theme of talking about God like a father. Verse 13, it says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows, so this is why, what does his compassion look like? For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So I know that can sound a little discouraging or encouraging, but here's the basic idea. He knows you're fragile. He knows this metaphor of dust is that you're weak, that he knows how he formed us. And so as a father, he has compassion because he sees your weakness. I think all of us as parents know this. We know that we don't just love their children if or because they're successful. We know that we love and enjoy and have compassion in their weakness, even in their dust, even when they're broken. So I like to say when I had little toddlers, when my kids were really small and just starting to walk and they would first take those first few steps. It wasn't like I looked at my children and after they fell, after taking two or three of their first steps and say, ah, you pathetic kid. When will you learn to walk? Why can't you take 10 steps? No, I high-fived Renata and celebrated the three steps that they took, right? Because there is within the heart of a father the capacity to celebrate the child in their dustness, in their brokenness, in the midst of being fragile, in the midst of being weak. And when that reality here in Psalm 103 gets alive inside of you, it causes you to want to look to your soul and say, I will praise him. 
he has compassion on me like a father has compassion on his child. I was thinking about even my kids when they were in elementary school. We had one year where uh, Olivia and Dawson played soccer on the same soccer team. And our kids went 0-10 in, in that soccer season. So that's the opposite of being undefeated. That's just defeated. Zero wins and 10 losses. Every Saturday, they took a beating. And in the midst of their awfulness, I did not look at them and be like, I am so bugged by you. No, I was able to just enjoy my soccer playing kids that couldn't win a game, right? And you have a father that sees their butt dust, their children, their, their, I have compassion. This image of a father so helps us to love being with our father, to love gathering and worshiping, to love praising God. In fact, even now as a father of teenagers, when they fail, one of my favorite lines to say to them is, everything's okay. This is why you still live at my house. You're not an adult yet. You are not fully formed mentally just yet. You're not fully formed financially just yet. You are still a kid. It's okay. This is why you still live with me. And I think that our father looks at us in the midst of our moments where we fall short. And he looks at you and says, hey, I know your frame. I know that you're dust. I know how you were formed. I'm a father that possesses great compassion. And so if you see a father who is mostly angry without the capacity to demonstrate compassion, you don't have a full picture. If you see a God who does not love you and reach out to you, this theme runs all through the scriptures. Jesus even talks about this in Luke 15. It's one of the favorite parables we read about where Jesus, as he describes what the father is like, he says he's like a father that embraces his in debt, broken, smelly son running down that dusty road. We have a father. He has compassion. And David here, Psalm 103, he says he is a father. He has compassion for, for he sees that you are dust, broken, fragile, immature. Sometimes we as parents, we put high expectation on our children. We say things like, Slow obedience is no obedience. Why can't you get it right the first time? And yet, aren't you glad that you have a heavenly father that shows more compassion to you than we often show our own children? Who looks at us and says, I'll give you another chance. Who looks at you and says, look at me. Those who look to me are radiant. I have compassion. In the midst of this moment where you feel so weak because you are, where you feel like dust because I see your frame and you are dust. I have compassion and our God loves, our God forgives, abounding in love even today. And I think David would point us to the compassion of a father who sees that we are dust and says he is right now, present tense, filled with compassion for us. Let's look at one more verse as we close today. All right, Psalm 103, verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
David gives us this great picture about our transgressions being removed as far as the East is from the West. The idea is that it's infinite. And some of you hear that today and you go, that's what I want my story to be. I love this good news that there is a father who loves me and he wants to remove my transgressions, my sin, as far as the East is from the West. John 3:16 says it this way, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, so that whoever today could be you. Maybe today you wanna make that decision to follow Jesus, to step across that line of faith and choose to follow Jesus. And if you do, I wanna invite you, just pray this prayer with me. Father, today I repent of my sin and I choose to follow you. Let my transgressions be removed from me as far as the East is from the West. I wanna be in relationship and right standing with God give you my life in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we know that you are now a follower of Jesus. And that's not the only thing you need to say to God, but that's the first thing. And we'd love to be in touch with you and connect with you. And so right there on the platform that you're on, would you just tell us that you made a decision to follow Jesus? Or you can email us at yes at radiantchurchkc.com.